2: Now, the WBBM Noon
3: Business Hour. Hey, It's 12.03, the start of a brand new week, Monday afternoon, January 22nd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. The NFL weekend included a heavy dose of Swift and Kelsey. We'll discuss how much is too much in our next segment. But right now, this week's key data includes the leading indicators, new home sales, and consumer spending. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line reminding you to bring your business home is Carl Recovery. Chief U.S. Economist with BNP Paribas, based in New York. Carl, thank you for joining us today. And let's start off with the uh, list of leading economic indicators falling once again, uh, but it doesn't look like uh, we're anywhere close to recessionary territory.
1: Yes, this has been a pretty austere uh, signal uh, over the last uh, several quarters, but uh, it seems to be catching a deceleration in the economy, but nothing more severe than that. Uh, And in fact, it seems to be uh, falling at a uh, somewhat slower pace. So maybe uh, starting to give way to some uh, green shoots for uh – Uh, A bottoming of uh, economic activity in the uh, first part of the year
3: six of the 10 indicators in this survey were positive in the month of december that's a big improvement compared to prior months i mean how do we parse the list of leading economic indicators and um you 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 mentioned that it is catching a deceleration of the economy but but historically uh how does it serve as a predictive or a reflective tool about the state of the economy
1: well, historically, it has had about a two-quarter lead over the broader economy. But, uh, again, it had been flashing a recessionary signal for much of last year. And uh, we didn't get recession. We just got a downshift uh, in the pace of activity and even less of a downshift than most forecasters were anticipating. So it's it's getting the direction right, but I think it's getting the magnitude uh, wrong. And, of course, uh, lots of uh, models and uh, economic relationships have been Uh, a little bit upended uh, post-pandemic. So I think, uh, you know, these uh, models are generally uh, tooled and geared for kind of normal uh, economic uh, periods. And when you have these uh, wild swings like we did in and out of the pandemic, uh, then a lot of the models go uh, go haywire, uh, for lack of a technical <laughs> term. Uh, and, and that seems to be what the relationship has been with the uh, leading in, uh, indicators. Yeah, it, it just
3: seems like a lot of these models, even going into the pandemic, uh, were just not built for these times. And, and as you said, uh, if if they were a, a robot or a computer, it would just begin uh, sparking and spewing smoke here and there. We're talking to Carl Ricadana, Chief, Chief U.S. Economist with BNP Paribas in New York, setting up the week ahead in data. Thursday, it seems to be like it's going to be a big day, starting with the preliminary estimate of uh, fourth quarter GDP, uh, 5% in the third quarter, an absolute blowout number. But it looks like we might get a, a two handle uh, when, when, when the preliminary estimate uh, is comes out later this week about uh, how we wrapped up 2023.
1: Yes, uh, the third quarter, that 5% number was uh, the exception, uh, not the norm By uh, by all accounts, and so uh, we do anticipate some further moderation in economic activity, especially on the business investment side of things. Uh, It looks like activity pretty much stalled out in the back half of the year. Uh, Consumers are what's really keeping the economy on a uh, sturdy footing here, uh, and should be again uh, the uh, main driver as we look at uh, fourth quarter economic activity. Now, Q4 of last year may seem like something you want to forget or uh, feel like uh, ancient history, but Understanding the composition of underlying economic activity is very important to understanding uh, what future growth prospects will look like as well. So this will help to formulate a better idea of how the economy is going to perform in uh, in the first half of this year.
3: Carl Riccadonna, Chief U.S. Economist, BNP Paribas, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, a Kansas City Chiefs playoff win means another week of the Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey saga. We'll talk about that next. There's a big debate among football fans regarding the presence of Taylor Swift on their screens during games featuring her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, of the Kansas City Chiefs, now Kelsey's brother, Also in the picture with his shirt off, if you saw the game last night, let's talk about the pluses and minuses with uh, Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertaire Group based in Chicago. Tim, thank you for joining us today. And before we talk about uh, uh, Jason Kelsey doing his best uh, Bluto Blutarski impersonation uh, during the game yesterday, I guess overkill is is in the eye of the beholder. I haven't seen uh, overnight ratings for the uh, AFC uh, Divisional Round game last night between the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills, but uh, chances are I'm guessing they're smiling in the executive suites at CBS, and they will be smiling uh, tomorrow, uh, next week as well.
4: Uh, It's fair to say that the uh, rating for that game was uh, not a 0.0. But I will say thank you very much. But you know, I like I think um, it's interesting. I think a lot of people in media circles uh, were uh, kind of hoping for a Kelsey versus Kelsey um, match between the Eagles and the Chiefs, which would have been, in theory, kind of the uh, the narrative that you know could keep the not only the uh, Taylor Swift uh, dynamic uh, alive with these games, but also the brother versus brother and and how they're both outsized personalities and their histories together, et cetera. Um, But who would have thought, frankly, that the fact that the Eagles didn't make the next round of the playoffs, that uh, it would actually add another log to the fire. As we saw yesterday with uh, brother Jason's uh, numerous, uh, uh, you know, activities, Uh, not just only the shot of him uh, bare chested, but he, he also, there was some social media stuff where uh, there was a little girl who had a sign that uh, uh, was aimed towards uh, Taylor Swift that uh, she wanted to see, make sure that Taylor saw. And the viral video is of him in his bare chest picking up this very adorable little girl with her sign. Not, I don't know what the sign said, and holding it up uh, in the booth or towards the booth so that Taylor could see it. Um, so the the story of this just continues to uh, uh, you know evolve and explode, and and you know even. Even on-air commentary about, hey, are they married already, Taylor and uh, uh, and Jason? So um, we'll see. I mean,
3: now, now I will uh, say I, this. I mean, this is I have watched. I mean, primarily, uh, and my I have three girls at home, and they have asked to watch every playoff game this year in the in the postseason uh, strictly because they're Swifties and Travis Kelsey got them into football. And I don't know if this relationship has legs or not. I don't know how long they're going to be together, but my memories of watching football with the three girls will stick with me forever. So that... In and of itself, uh, already is a net positive uh, from, from from Taylor Swift uh, getting involved in the NFL hype machine. But the one thing I noticed last night, and I saw some people complaining about it uh, on social media last night and this morning, is that the, um, the the shots of Taylor Swift in the suite were not nearly as intrusive as they were earlier in the season. They only switched over to her if Travis Kelsey did something. If he made a big catch, uh, especially when he caught that touchdown pass uh, at the end of the first half last Last night, which then they went from uh, on the field to Taylor Swift in the suite to uh, Jason Kelsey with his shirt off, uh, shotgunning a beer. So it only it only seems like they went to her when when Travis did something notable.
4: Well, a couple of things here. One, I think that's uh, uh, probably a little bit of editorial judgment uh, on CBS's part, which I think is smart. Um, because obviously they have the Super Bowl coming up and they want to, you know, I, I think it's just a, a way to sort of placate both sides of the fandom, shall we say. But I also think, too, frankly, the uh, the Buffalo Bills Highmark Stadium uh, is one of the older ones in the league and probably doesn't sort of offer the, the easiest, most accessible camera shots. So that probably had something to do with it. But I will say this, look, the the ratings for the weekend's games and not including the, the game we're talking about, uh, we're just, again, through the roof. And, you know, I think the um, uh, passive Uh, or occasional or need another excuse to watch fan uh, is definitely part of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, story this year. And um, look, the NFL should bank it and uh, continue, and it's not going to last forever. But uh, if it brings more people into the tent, uh, I'm not sure it makes more NFL fans per se, but it's certainly going to increase the viewership uh, and make more of these games more events if they're not already.
3: And next week, uh, Taylor Swift, no doubt already making plans to uh, visit Balmer because uh, the Chiefs are taking on the uh, Ravens in Baltimore. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertair Group in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Money conversation
5: that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
3: It can be a challenge to find common ground when friends and couples have different income levels. Let's get some help from Tony Orgoric, founder of Ogoric Wealth Management in Buffalo. Buffalo, New York. Tony, thank you for joining us today. And before we get into the uh, meat of the conversation, how are we doing? How are we feeling today, Tony? What's the mood in Buffalo?
2: Well,
0: you had to ask, Rob. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'll tell you what, there are two words we just are getting tired of hearing, which is our uh, wide right.
3: Yeah, you know that the, the, that that reminds me of the uh, double doink trauma that uh, we're still processing uh, five years later uh, in Chicago. Another moment of playoff infamy. So uh, just you know, just get back on that horse, and uh, hopefully uh, next year uh, you, it, it it works out better. So this this sounds like you know the, the this is the probably the most common issue that financial planners have to deal with, and that is uh, you have a client, and then that client. And has somebody in their life who is making more or has more, and you have to keep them back on the rails and say you have to do uh, execute a spending plan for you and not to impress somebody else.
0: Right, and you know this is the you know the historic uh, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, you know we've had instances like this, and you know it's it it can be sort of insidious because it, it then may get to the basis of a relationship you have with the spouse which is like, why am I with you <laughs> if I'm not able to enjoy the same kind of lifestyle as someone else is? or something up there? Uh, and you know, the other thing is, well, you know, we have to uh, uh, you know, go out and spend $600 on a dinner with uh, various other people, and you, know, you just may not be able to afford it. So I think what makes sense is to try and set some boundaries and say, you know what, we can do certain kinds of activities with you, Um, But these other kinds of things are sort of beyond our price point. We love being with you, but, you know, from an affordability standpoint, uh, I don't think that's, uh, you know, that's in a wheelhouse. That's one thing. Another, Rob, is to say that sometimes if it it gets out of hand, you know, you may just need to look for some different friends. uh, Because, like I said, it can be a very difficult thing. For couples to, uh, uh, you know, to deal with it, especially if one's a saver and one's a spender.
3: And then how does uh, social media th- make things worse as far as the keeping up with the Joneses complex is? Because uh, you'll be very proud of some low-key, laid-back vacation uh, that you take somewhere, and then you go on Instagram, and then all of a sudden you see uh, this other parent group in your life. is like vacationing at a Swiss chalet somewhere, and then all of a sudden uh, that vacation you took is less satisfying.
0: Yeah, well, what I can tell you, Rob, is that what the research tells us is that beyond a certain threshold, uh, the incremental value of having a lot more money isn't that great. And, you know, the fact that you may go to a national park uh, opposed to some high-end, uh, high-end resort uh, doesn't mean that the enjoyment, the happiness that you derive from your trip uh, is going to be any better than someone who spent, you know, five times, you know, whatever it is. Bottom line is, You know, money is a tool uh, to help you enjoy life and to help others, and um, you don't have to be spending a fortune in order to get that enjoyment. And I think if people kept that in mind, it would refocus them on, you know, what's really important in life.
3: Tony Agorik, founder of Agorik Wealth Management in Buffalo, thank you for joining us today. Still ahead, the Musicians Union is expressing concern about the impact of AI on the industry, plus a couple of suggestions from our Monday stock picker.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call
3: silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. We're learning more about a shooting in suburban Chicago that's left four women dead. An issue with a juror is slowing the Trump defamation case in New York City. Musicians are concerned about the impact of artificial intelligence on their future. Our Monday stock picker, we got a couple of ideas from a portfolio pro. Business, the markets are higher, but they've trimmed some of their gains. Uh, on the session. The Dow is up 60 points now. The Nasdaq is up 29. S&P 500 up five and a half. AccuWeather says for the rest of today, cloudy with a mix of snow, sleet and freezing rain changing over to freezing rain and drizzle this afternoon. Streets and sidewalks can be icy. A high today of 32. It's 31 degrees right now in Chicago with freezing rain topping our news at the half hour. A suspect is being held following the shooting deaths of four women in the southwest suburbs. The victims have been identified as 53-year-old Maheida Kasim and her daughters Halema Zahia, both 25, and Hanan, who's 24. This is Tinley Park Interim Police Chief Tom Tilton.
5: We arrived on scene very quickly within uh, approximately three minutes and 30 seconds, and he was uh, taken into custody without incident in about a minute and 20 seconds thereafter.
3: Charges have not yet been filed. There's no word on the suspected killer's relationship, if any, to the family. The civil defamation trial of Donald Trump in New York City is on hold. CBS News correspondent Errol Barnett reports in a problem that popped up
2: today. At the beginning of the proceedings this morning, uh, Judge Kaplan um, informed the court that the third juror um, on their way to the courthouse this morning reported not feeling well and as such is now taking a COVID test.
3: The jury will decide if the former president has to pay additional damages for comments he made about writer E. Jean Carroll in 2019 when he denied her allegations of sexual abuse. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line reminding you to bring your business home is Matt Shapiro, president MWS Capital in Chicago. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Any any reason why the uh, markets have uh, trimmed their gains uh, from earlier in the session or is this just a A midday lull.
6: Well, Rob, there's really not a lot of catalysts right now. Well, first of all, everyone's extremely pleased, of course, that the market finally, after two years, recovered and punched through to all-time highs uh, on Friday. But, uh, you know, without all the big heavyweights coming in with their earnings news, it's going to take time for additional visibility on interest rates and the the Fed so-called pivot so far. So we're kind of marking time. I think one interesting point, Rob, was last Wednesday when the market, the S&P 500, was kind of down and then just tentatively recovered. And then we had this technical breakthrough in the last two days. So we're seeing if there's really enough to move the market higher, doesn't seem to be. And so, you know, do we hold here or do we maybe have a little bit of a test and a congestion for these new higher levels.
3: Overall, when 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 we have a a, a bull market and when we are in a situation where the uh, S and P sets record highs both intraday and at the close, uh, are we in a situation where success begets success?
6: Well, we would like to see that kind of virtuous uh, circle, but a lot still has to be done. For instance, the average company, as everyone knows, hasn't really participated in this. The Russell 2000 is still down 10-12 percent from its all-time high. Much of the gains have been uh, concentrated in the super companies. So you know, you wonder how can a company be valued at two to three billion dollars? You know, Microsoft or Amazon or Google. So it's kind of like there's not a lot of big pickings out there, so you sort of take your chances in a fundamental company or just join the crowd in something like Google.
3: And then uh, earnings season continues. Uh, the airlines are reporting this week, and, and obviously uh, you know, w- w- what are the potential market movers not only in terms of uh, their fourth-quarter reports but also uh, their forward-looking guidance?
6: Well, Airlines are a, a tricky business. I mean, look what happened with the merger between JetBlue and Spirit Airlines. Spirit nearly thrown into um, uh, you, you know financial difficulties if they don't complete this, this, this merger. Um, you know, obviously, everyone who goes to the airport realizes that the planes are full. Uh, they're doing well, but lots of complications, bad weather, and as everyone knows, airline stocks can be notoriously difficult uh, to invest in. So, you know, witness American Airlines was as high as $19 last year. It's now, you know, churning around down towards lows of 13. Doesn't mean anything bad had really happened to it. Just shows you these smaller category stocks just have extreme ranges of volatility. And sometimes it just really defies analysis.
3: Matt Shapiro, president of MWS Capital in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today on the Noon Business Hour. Coming up next, why the musical community is worried about the influx of artificial intelligence. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Musicians are concerned about the use of artificial intelligence in music that can produce work like this. Hello, I'm not Johnny Cash. I'm
0: a Barbie girl.
3: Ah, just one of the use cases of AI in music. Apparently, here's Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group and Professor of Advanced Media in Residence at the Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University. Shelley, uh, thank you for joining us today. That was an AI Johnny Cash uh, singing the song Barbie Girl by uh, I think it was Aqua from uh, way back when. <laughs> and way back. Yeah. Now, now here's here's the thing though. I listened to this and I thought, okay. Um, this is, you, you can get this during the improv section at Second City on a Friday night. You can get a good impressionist to do, like, hey, you want to hear Johnny Cash singing Barbie Girl? Uh, is this an extinction level event for the music business?
7: It is a deep fake moment for the music business that is far from the extinction level event. The extinction level event comes not at the top and not at the bottom, it comes in the middle. Uh, people like um, the estate of Johnny Cash will probably uh, profit from this. Certainly current stars like Taylor Swift, uh, you know, who is at the very top of the business, will use these tools for production, and they are really good productivity enhancers. The most important thing is that people who are not musicians, who can describe what they feel, will have a new way to make music. I spent my 20,000 hours learning to play music. Musical instruments and to compose and produce. Now you just need to be able to describe what you want, and you'll be able to have other people feel what you feel, which is the the job of music. Where this is going to hurt, where the extinction level event is going to occur, is in the middle, where journeymen composers and producers who do music for television and commercials and interstitials for um, for, for uh, consumer experiences, things that happen in retail stores or theme parks, places where there's lots of music you don't really think about, you just sort of feel it, you don't really know what's there in a retail store, all of that's going to go away because AI can do it all. When you have a commercial and you need a driving chase scene happening, there's going to be sound effects and music sound effects and voiceover over the top. You don't really pay that much attention to the music. You pay attention to how the commercial makes you feel. It communicates emotionally. So, and that's true of almost every piece of video that has music under it. People who make a living like that, which by the way, is how I made a living the first 40 years of my life, writing music for TV, I can tell you flat out, this will be very devastating financially to that group. But for everybody else, people at the very top of the business who are popular artists, and for people at the very bottom who know nothing about music but will now have an opportunity to create music in ways they never could before. It's going to be amazing.
3: Seventy years ago in Chicago, as uh, the big radio stations, the ones that were uh, affiliated or owned by networks, uh, transitioned over to uh, recorded music, uh, all of a sudden these stations that had in-house orchestras uh, found that most of them were going to be out of a job. And so the musicians' union in Chicago, I don't know if this happened nationally, but it was uh, very much the case in the city, uh, they would keep two or three members of the staff, Orchestra on as record turners. It was their job. Their only job was to put the tone arm on the record, and uh, and and they were the only ones allowed to, uh, to 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 play records at the radio station. That was a union gig, and uh, yeah. that continued at some places well into the eighties. But uh, the music industry found a way to adapt to the era of recorded music on the radio, and it seems like they're going to adapt in a way that we haven't seen yet.
7: Well, which. What's absolutely true about what you said is that it didn't really find a way to adapt. There were there was the NBC orchestra with, right there. There were orchestras at every television station and radio station. They all went away and live music became less and less of a profession. Now there's Broadway and there's symphony work, which there you know, always has been. But it's not a, like a big gig. Um, Session musicians have been replaced by electronic by, by digital audio workstations and synthesizers and samplers. Musical styles have changed. Believe me, you do not want to be a trombone player in any city except New York and Los Angeles right now because there's really not a lot of work. So it has changed, and it's going to continue to change, and there's nothing that's going to stop it. So there's no point in fretting over it or talking about the good old days. We're in the good new days, and the good new days include generative AI and all of the goodness and all of the badness that comes with it.
3: Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group and Professor of Advanced Media in Residence at the Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, suggestions for our Monday Stock Picker. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening
2: to the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
3: It's Stock Picker Monday and helping us out today is J.J. Kinahan, CEO of IG North America and President of Tasty Trade in Chicago. J.J., thank you for joining us today. Two selections on this Stock Picker Monday, and uh, your first one, it's in everybody's pockets, and uh, since I remember every commercial slogan, uh, it used to be, uh, it's everywhere you want to be.
5: Yes, it is, and thanks, Rob. It's Visa. And, you know, this is a stock that's really interesting. And, you know, I wanted to talk about two stocks that have earnings this week. Everybody's going to talk about Tesla, et cetera. But uh, Visa having earnings later this week. And why do I think it's such an interesting stock is because, as we've had so much conversations around inflation, this is a stock that I think is a really interesting longer-term one because don't forget how they make money as a percentage of every transaction. What does that mean theoretically? That if inflation heats up, they, prices heat up, so that means the average bill may go up, which absolutely helps them because, again, they don't care how much you're buying as long as you buy more in every transaction. And then if we see something like rates coming down, et cetera, that will help them also because as we think about, you know, where, what everyone's saying about interest rates right now and uh, some expectations that we'll get them in the second half of this year with a cut, that would uh, theoretically encourage spending, which, again, helps Visa very much. So I think that this is probably, as you said, it's in everybody's pocket. It might be one that's interesting for many people to look at as part of their portfolio also. And, again, you know, people look at earnings like, oh, it's a time I have to be maybe a little bit afraid, et cetera. This is not a stock with a high volatility. One of the things I actually like to do is to look, Rob, at what the options market is expecting for movement. Not that you have to trade options, but you can look at that for an expectation. And what we're expecting out of Visa is only a move of about 2.75% that is up or down about $7.40 for their move this week. So, again, this is one that I think is really interesting because as you said it tends to be in everybody's pocket
3: and that's Visa and then your next uh, uh, your next stock is this uh, something that uh, is 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 uh, basking in the halo effect of AI
5: it is and that's that's Intel and as you said I think one of the plays for Intel is absolutely uh, in, in interesting and key to them doing well but one of the other things that's interesting for them will be if uh, PC sales start to pick up again. We saw so many PCs being sold during COVID, et cetera. A lot of those may be replaced over the next few, the next year or so, and that will help them. But they have a new family of AI-enabled chips, and what's really interesting about these chips is what they plan on doing them, and that is more in your automobiles, more. Uh, a, a voice assistance available video conferencing available and what's really interesting is gaming for rear seat passengers and really making that a much different experience than it is now uh, obviously i think a, a lot of us who have families etc will think that that may be very interesting going forward and so this is a stock that you know People, I think, overlook how well it performed. If I look at the last 52 weeks, this is a stock that's uh, more than double. Day, or not more than double. I take that back. I apologize. But it's going from to, to about $29 to about $48. So really done very well. Now, this stock, again, one not, not a lot of volatility necessarily, although we are expecting that it could have a, almost a 7% move on earnings this week. And, you know, that would equate to about $3.30. So I just think two interesting stocks that, you know, you're picking up on very well and the fact that a lot of the things that are happening around us right now, one being such a big conversation around interest rates and inflation, the other being such a big conversation around A.I., you have to look and say, OK, who can benefit from this? And more importantly, who can benefit from this with hopefully not a lot of downside if things do go wrong?
3: J.J. Kinahan, CEO of IG North America, president of Tasty Trade. His selections on the Stock Picker Monday, Visa and Intel.
2: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours